This is a Cincy fan talking with LP. You can catch me on Twitter. That's a Cincy fan talking. You say it like it sounds, just leave off the G. If you have ideas for the show, you can reach me at Cincy underscore fan talk at yahoo.com. If you have any suggestions for the show, make sure you leave them there. Who knows? You might find yourself as part of the show. Any feedback would be definitely appreciated. And also, make sure you hit the link tree page that's on my Twitter. Make sure you click on that. You can find all the different ways to contact me there. Enjoy the show. What's up? What's up? What's going on, everybody in podcast land? Welcome to another episode of a Cincy fan talking with LP. And of course, this is yours truly, LP. Big shout out to everybody sitting there or riding around or, you know, just chilling out, listening to your boy. I sincerely appreciate it. Um, all of the feedback has been absolutely awesome. So make sure y'all keep it coming. Um, answer those questions y'all see on social media and you never know. You might end up with your question being answered on the podcast. Um, super excited that I remembered to bring in my um, my chair that doesn't do the squeak, squeak, squeak that bothered me so much last week, y'all. It was real life irking me because... I just swivel around in the chair and I don't even remember, I don't even think about, you know, moving around in it. And then I kind of go like, dang, what's so loud? I'm like, oh yeah, that's me. But now I'm just, I'm just swerving in this chair like it's nothing and no oily, I need armor all noise. So, hey, shout out to me. (laughs) Sometimes you got to brag on yourself, man. You got to let yourself know you're out here doing it. Um, So... We're going to um, jump into a little bit of foosball talk for y'all. Um, we got the NFL season coming up. We got the college season coming up. So, um, as promised, uh, I'm going to go ahead and drop a segment about UC's chances to win the American Athletic Conference. I find this conference sincerely, um, what's the word, interesting. <laughs> and we're going to jump into why in a quick sec. We're going to talk about... Preseason. We're not really gonna talk about preseason games. We're just gonna talk about why I hate the preseason, but I understand why we do it. Um, a little bit of Deshaun Watson talk, like a, a small portion, because I'm not about to keep talking about this guy for real. I'm not. And then we're gonna talk about character traits and whatnot, you know, stuff like that. But um, last week I took the Big Ten and I broke down the Big Ten for everybody that you know. You don't really want to pay attention to the big games in the Big Ten. You don't want to pay attention to all the games. You just kind of want to know what the big games are and who you should be looking out for. So I'm going to do this again with the American Athletic Conference. Not as big of a conference as the Big Ten. Definitely not. Y'all see that deal that the Big Ten got? Like $7 billion for people, for um, for broadcasters to let those games out. Like They got Fox. They got NBC. They got CBS. Seven billion dollars. 
<laughs> for those um, channels to broadcast the Big Ten. Man, I don't want to hear nothing. I, I don't want to hear anything about the Big Ten dropping any sports. Man, they better be building up all types of buildings at those Big Ten schools. Man, I want to see like a, a, a brand new like dining hall. Like four or five more paved roads. Forget all that. Like that's wow. <laughs> and women's water polo should be good forever. Like soccer should be good forever. Seven billion dollars to spread out around sixteen schools, maybe for real. But I digress. <laughs> the American Athletic Conference definitely not as big as the Big Ten, not at all. And about to get not smaller, but probably more diluted because you got. Cincinnati, you got Houston, and you got Central Florida. Big schools with big medias, big media reach, right? They're moving to the Big 12. And the American Conference, is, they're replacing them with teams like Charlotte, North Texas, UAB. Hey, if those are your schools... Definitely not hating on y'all, like for real. I remember uh, UC played against teams like that in Conference USA way back in the day. And, you know, that's what it was, and it was cool. But the conference is going to get a whole lot, not smaller, just more diluted. So this will probably be the last year that the American Athletic Conference is being looked at as one of those conferences that, you know, could get a team that does what UC did last year. Just kind of run to the college football playoff. This will probably be the last year that you see something like that happen from this conference. Real talk, maybe from any conference, the way things shaking up in that group of five. But here's what we're going to do. Because I know a lot of people aren't paying attention to the American Athletic Conference. There's some good football being played there. I got to kind of watch it. But say you really don't want to watch it. you just like, LP, I don't care about the American I just want to know the big games. Like, just let me know what games I need to watch. Who do I need to look out for? I got you. So, let me give you the favorite in the conference, the overrated and underrated teams, and I'm going to give you five games to watch. Now, not just to be honest, full disclosure, you aren't going to have six or seven great teams in this conference. So, when you hear the games to watch... It'll normally be like the same teams, <laughs> but those will be the games you need to watch. So the favorites in this conference would be UC, of course, Cincinnati, and Houston. They're kind of like the co-favorites to win this conference. If you look around, some people will say UC is, some people will say Houston is. These would be the two teams that you need to look out for because they have the most talent out of all the teams in the conference. Um I won't say it's by like a great margin, but because of the way these teams play and the way they recruit, they definitely have the better players. If you're looking for a dark horse, Central Florida would be that dark horse. Notice it's like all three of the teams that are leaving to the Big 12. <laughs> Those road games are going to be ignorant, man. People are going to be like, boo, get out, leave now. Like It's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> Those would be the, the two, three teams you need to look out for. Now, this is about to sound odd. Just follow me. I got two overrated teams. The first one is Houston. 
LP, how they the favorite and they overrated? <laughs> I know, right? The thing is, Houston doesn't play Cincinnati in the regular season. They don't play Central Florida in the regular season. And they don't play Memphis, which is another really good team. No, 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 they play Memphis. But they don't play they don't play Central Florida and they don't play Cincinnati. So their schedule is way easier than UC's. So I think people are just kind of writing them into the um the championship game for the uh, American Athletic Conference, just kind of writing them in there because they don't have a tough schedule. So kind of be on the lookout for them because we might be kind of overpricing them a little bit. And I think Memphis is overrated as well. And I don't mean that Memphis is a bad team. I just think they're not as good as they used to be. They've, they're they kind of like falling down lately. So those are my overrated teams. Underrated East Carolina. Who? East Carolina. It's one of those teams where if this was the SEC, they would be like a like a Kentucky. That's what East Carolina would be if they were like a major school. They're one of those teams where you kind of write them off as an easy win, but then you go to East Carolina to play, and all of a sudden you're in a game that's like 21 to 20 with four minutes left. And East Carolina does this to everybody they play. And I feel like this will be the year they kind of break through and get about eight wins. I don't think they're going to win the division or nothing like that. But I think they're going to be good enough to get a few wins. And I think SMU will be very underrated this year. They have a really good team. They like to throw the ball a lot. And they have a solid quarterback. I think they're going to sneak up and beat some people too. So that's overrated and underrated. Now, five games to watch. You're going to hear a whole lot of Cincinnati and Houston, all right, because they're they're like the big favorites in this division. I think the biggest game will be a game that's not even a conference game, Cincinnati at Arkansas. If UC beats Arkansas, if they find a way to win at Arkansas, UC has a not a great chance. <laughs> they have a good chance to get back to the college football playoff because people kind of know who they are now. They know that they're running a really good program here at UC. So if they can find a way to upset Arkansas, look for them to start sneaking up in those polls, y'all. Um, UC schedule isn't as good as it was last year. They got to play at Indiana. They got to play at Notre Dame. So they had they had chances to beat some good teams. Not that Indiana was good, but I mean, it's a Big Ten team, right? This year, Arkansas is going to be that that hump that they're going to have to get over. If they can beat them, watch out. Houston at Memphis. Cincinnati at SMU. Houston at SMU. Cincinnati at UCF. <laughs> Basically, watch a Houston game or a Cincinnati game. <laughs> and, and see if those teams kind of get on a collision course to play each other. That's what I would say. So my five games, they all have either Cincinnati or Houston in them. If one of those teams loses a conference game or two, we're going to be in for a a wild ride in conference on the American Athletic Conference. If they go undefeated, 
even if they lose once, they're probably going to play against each other in the championship game. Um, I don't know who's going to win that yet. Um, stay tuned. I'm, I'm biased, so my my bias would jump out and pick UC. But I will want to see what Houston does throughout the year if I'm making like an honest pick. All right. So put UC with an asterisk up there. Um, overall, though, I feel like this last year of the American Athletic Conference, looking the way that it looks, it'll be really interesting. Um, the best teams are going to pack up and leave, y'all. So if you want to watch American Athletic Conference football, <laughs> this would be the year to do it. Because after this year, you're basically watching Big 12 bad, Big Twelve football. <laughs> I'm just saying. So that's that. Watch out for UC. Watch out for Houston. Um, my sleeper pick would be Central Florida. If I had a sleeper sleeper, it would be SMU. All right. I I'd rather talk about that to talk about preseason football and NFL. Like, I, oh, man, it's I, it's not like it's frustrating to watch. It's frustrating to listen to other people hype it so much. Like, oh, did you see that catch, dude? Mate? Oh, you're going to be a beast. You got to pick him up in fantasy. Man, watch. They about to make the team strong. Watch out, y'all. Uh, because they got this wide receiver. Well, we're going to the playoffs. I'm looking like you grading these wide receivers and these quarterbacks in these preseason games where they're playing against third and fourth and fifth string players like come on this it's it's ridiculous the sample size is so small and nobody cares about the game i mean here here's my comparison to preseason football it is i think this a lot this is why i don't like preseason football but i understand that it's necessary so to me, me personally, preseason football is like the first couple of weeks of school for a teacher. That's what it is. Preseason football is like the first two weeks of school. You get the kids in the class and you got to go through all of these rules and procedures. And you got to like not really do hardcore teaching and learning. But you're doing stuff to get to know the kids. You're getting you're doing stuff to help the kids learn how to work as a team and work in groups and learn correct voice levels and understand the procedure for, you know, getting to use the restroom, where the pass is, what happens if you're late to class. All of this mundane stuff that myself as a teacher, I do not like this stuff. I just want to skip it. And I remember one year, it was like my third year of teaching. I'm like, I'm the man. I got this. Like, you know, my first two years, my first year, as I told y'all before, was absolute hell. It was it was awful. But as a teacher, you go in and expecting that your first year is going to absolutely positively suck. You're the rookie. It's, it's going to suck. Your second year sucks, but it sucks a little less. The kids know you. They see you around the building. They're like, hey, that's the teacher. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, people are used to you. You learn some stuff. Actually, you learn what didn't work last year. You kind of fixed it up. It still didn't work that year, but it was better. You jump in third year. I'm like, you know what? 
they last teachers told them the rules and all that stuff. They should understand how it go. I'm going in, boom, teaching first day. Not giving homework, but teaching first day. They know what to do. Y'all, my first two weeks was hell. Like it, it was like I regressed and went back to my first year where everything was just bananas and Kids got a big smile on their face when they walked into the class. Not because, you know, it's happy to see you, but because it's about to go in and clown. It just make life hard for Mr. Parker. My third year, for a good part of it, was like my first year. Because I didn't do that mundane stuff. I didn't sit them down and, you know, explain the rules. Explain what happens when you follow them. Explain what happens when you don't follow them run through the routines and procedures of the classroom. I didn't do that. And then I tried to do it like a month into the school year. Now it's too late then. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> Cause once and not just kids, y'all. Like that's what people don't understand. This stuff that you do in the classroom and all that stuff, it doesn't just work in school. It works everywhere. It works at home. It works at your job. It works everywhere. So when I waited a month to go like, nah, here are the rules. Here's what we're doing. They looking like, we don't do that. Nah, you you didn't say that before. I'm saying it now. Nah, because they used to doing it a certain way. So it took me a long time to get that shit and turn it. <laughs> to me, that's preseason. Yeah, it's boring. It's disgustingly boring. But what they're doing is they're helping the team understand what it takes to follow their philosophy. This is the way we do things. If you do it right, you're going to stay on the team. We have some people that's been doing it right. So they're definitely going to stay on the team. You might be able to fill a certain role. They're looking for that. Now, to a fan like me, this is boring. <laughs> it's amazingly boring. But if I want to see the Bengals put out a good roster and do very well in two-minute drills and when they're down four with five minutes left or when they're up six with a minute left, they practice all of this stuff. That's what the preseason is for. It's, it's kind of like when people say, you know, you don't want to see the sausage being made. The preseason is us watching the sausage being made. It's it's disgusting. <laughs> like what I, I I basically just spend the preseason like on Twitter and when I see like, you know, somebody from the Bengals, when I see them trending, like I just get this chill, like, damn, is he hurt? That's my first thought. Whenever I see somebody trending in preseason, even if they're not on the Bengals, I'll be like, damn, he hurt. Because why else would they be churning in preseason? Then I learned they might be hurt or somebody might just be overly hyping them. Look at this spectacular catch. Looks like it's working out. Dude, it's practice. Chill out. Like, <laughs> But I feel like that's, that's what preseason, fo preseason football is about. It's about implementing game plans. It's about... Making sure the um, I'm about to say the kids. <laughs> Making sure the the players follow the rules of that team. Make sure they understand them and what happens when they follow them and what happens when they don't. Helping them understand situational football, all of that stuff. It's basically the same as teaching. I spend those first two weeks 
We talk about what happens when you're not doing homework, what happens when you do the homework, what we're going to do during quizzes and tests, what happens on Fridays, because Friday might be like a completely different day from the rest of the week. What happens if you're absent and you need to work? (laughs) Where do you go? Do I go to the corner and just pick it up? Can I pick it up on a Google Classroom page? It's all of this stuff that you have to do. And if you don't do it, you're setting yourself up for failure. But if you do it, you can build off of it. And once you build off of it, you can go really far and do really fun things. Because the students are like, yeah, I know I know what to do. Like, I got to cover. You don't have to worry about the small stuff. You can worry about the big stuff. I have to tell myself this about preseason football because, you know, you a fan and you want to see football. Like, you don't have time to be watching this preseason stuff, but it's important. It, it really is. I don't, I don't like it. I, I don't understand. Somebody told me they charge full price for preseason games. I got to look that up and see if that's true. I'm like, y'all, play, y'all charge a full price for this? But the thing is, hey, it's an old tried and true testament. Everything is worth for something is willing to pay for. I might have a tube of toothpaste. <laughs> I might have used half of it. It might be worth like, what, 15 cents. If somebody's willing to pay five bucks for my halfway used tube of toothpaste, guess what? It's worth five dollars. <laughs> That's preseason football. If somebody's willing to pay $75, $80 for a ticket, Guess how much that preseason ticket is worth. You're not going to go like, well, he's the only one that's going to pay for that. Most people are only paying $10. No. Nah. You know somebody's going to pay $75 or $80. i am like, okay, I'll be nice. $65, $70. Things are worth what you're willing to pay for. And once you understand that, you kind of understand how the NFL works. Because they make sure they get that money. And I won't say that they don't care how they get it, but... Hey, as we're seeing, they don't care how they get it. <laughs> hey, hey, you got a uh, Cincy fan talking with LP? We'll be right back, y'all. Hi, hi. I'm Princess and I'm Queen. This is Daddy. You have to say, and this is a Cincy fan talking with LP. And this is a Cincy fan talking with LP Daddy. Nice job. Mm-hmm. What's up? What's up? What's going on, y'all? You are back with a Cincy fan talking with ALP, and of course, this is ALP. Um, I was gonna give this next segment about Deshaun Watson five minutes, and after kind of looking over everything and kind of thinking about what I wanted to say. I, I I think I won't need five minutes. I feel like I'm going to need about three. Um, I'm going to go ahead and set my little timer and see if I can really get this out in three minutes. And if I go over, I don't know, um, smack myself on the hand. Bad LP, bad LP. I don't know. <laughs> but that's what we're going to do here because I feel like I, I don't want to I don't want to just keep kicking this horse here. But. I really only got one thing to say about this. And this is for... I pushed the timer already a couple seconds ago. (laughs) This is for some of the fans. The vast majority 
are are kind of like the the vast majority of Browns fans are kind of like, man, I can't believe they even got this guy on the squad. And then you got like a small sliver of the fans out there that are like, well, you know, he's RQB and, you know, you got a whole lot of people out here doing messed up stuff and he deserves a second chance and this, that, and the third. That's what I don't want to hear. Like, I really don't. You got so many people hurt behind this and he still gets to play. You know, he still gets to do his thing. I, I am a firm believer in second chances, but what I'm not a believer in is the middle school rationale that some fans are dropping. When they say stuff like, you know, have you ever made a mistake? He said he was sorry and stuff like that. The middle schoolers do that all of the time. They'll get in trouble and they'll say, well, nah, I just messed up the one time. Don't I get a second chance? Or you didn't see him over there doing the same thing. You didn't see her doing the same thing. And I get in trouble when they don't. It's the middle school rationale that I shoot down quickly. Like, we're not talking about them. We're talking about you. Like, you're the focus right now. I'll get to them. You might not even notice me getting to them, but I'll get to them. You can't just throw out a random apology and feel like that does it. You don't get to dictate the terms of the apology. Like, you don't get to dictate how somebody feels about the apology. You also don't get to dictate how a second chance works. Neither one of those things work. And I just tell a middle schooler quickly, like, it's up to the person that got offended if they accept the apology. It's up to the powers that be, which would be me, to say if you deserve a second chance. You don't just deserve one because it's out there. It depends on what happened. It depends on what you did. And your second chance might not come for a long time. You might have to wait. Like, if we're playing the game in middle school, you might have to wait to get your second chance for a while. It might be the next day or something like that. You messed up. You don't get to dictate when you get the second chance. And I feel like a lot of fans are pushing that narrative. You know, the whole second, not a lot of fans, but that small sliver. They're pushing that narrative of a second chance. You know, so-and-so got a second chance. So-and-so got a second chance. So-and-so was not Deshaun Watson. So-and-so was not accused of what he was accused of. So just say what you mean and say, you know, you want Deshaun Watson to bring you a Super Bowl. Just say that. I I would appreciate your honesty a lot better than you kind of push it off on everybody else and going like, well, second chances and this, that, and the third. Just say what you really feel. Just say you feel like Deshaun Watson can help you win a Super Bowl. Jimmy Haslam basically said that. (laughs) Um, I don't think it's going over well. But, I mean, honestly, I feel like if I was a fan of the Browns and they had picked up Deshaun Watson, I will I will be very conflicted because I love my Bengals, but I don't know if I could love them enough to root for him <laughs> doing something like that. Like I, I don't know if I could. But I mean that's just me and we right on the three minute mark. Just barely over it. But just to put a little bow on this, I'm going to go a little bit over the three minutes. I'm not saying that the Bengals are full of saints <laughs> because they're definitely not. You know, you had your share of Bengals that did some messed up stuff. But at some point, there was there was some point where they were like, you know, I did this. I sincerely messed up and I need to pay for that before I can move forward. 
And I feel like Deshaun Watson trying to skip that phase. And I feel like there are some fans that are good with him skipping that phase. And it's not cool. So I don't really want to hear it. Just just say what you feel. Say what you mean and that's it. I got like 3 minutes and 34 seconds. Look at me. I can count. <laughs> hey. So before I go, um, I just had like a a small quick thought. And it's really about character traits, y'all. Um, I've been told since I was like six that my worst character trait was that I was stubborn. Like stubborn almost to a fault. I mean, stubborn to the point where if I can't do something 16 times, I'm trying to 16 more times without help until I get it. And that could be perceived as somebody that just doesn't give up. And I thought that's what it was. You know, growing up, I'm like, you know, I don't give up. I don't quit. I'll keep doing something until I get it. But then I, I realized, and I had like some people that kind of told me, you know, I had my uncle tell me, um, I had a few people real close to me tell me like, you know, and this one, I got a little older, like right before I went to college. There's a difference between not giving up and being stubborn. And my uncle told me the main difference is, do you keep doing things the same way? <laughs> because if you keep trying and you do things differently, that's the definition of not giving up. You know, you tried to do this and it didn't work. So you tried it a different way and it didn't work. Like you don't keep messing up the same way. Being stubborn is you sincerely believing that you can do something your way, even if it doesn't work, thinking that one time it will. And once I heard that, I was like, oh, damn, I am stubborn. I'm stubborn as hell. <laughs> like, that's when it hit me. I'm like, I'm a stubborn dude. Because when I look back, I was like, wow, like, I really don't care what people are telling me. Like, I'm just going to keep doing it my way. And I think, I don't know if this sounds cocky, because I think a lot of other people feel like this, too. I think that's the problem with being individualistic or being, like, a smart person. Like, that's one of the flaws. We, as smart people, cannot understand that the stuff that we're doing doesn't work sometimes. But since we stubborn, we like, it'll work for me because I'm smart and I can do it. Did that make sense? <laughs> that was me up until about age 19, 20. I'm like, I'm just going to do it my way. And then once my uncle told me that, I'm like, okay. So then I started kind of checking myself. Now, it wasn't a, it wasn't an overnight thing. Like, my best friends can tell you, like, from us, like, being roommates in college, you couldn't tell LP nothing. I remember I remember my best friend telling me, they're like, man, we can't tell you shit. Like, <laughs> like man, I hate that about you, LP. And I started laughing. I'm like, I'm working on it. Man. I really am. And like, like, <laughs> one time we up in our, we up in our apartment, you know, and, and we just kind of chilling out. <laughs> and they're watching me trying to put together, I think I had broke something and I was trying to put it back together. And he's just looking at me. And he's like, you know, I can help you with that. I'm like, I got it. I can help, but I got it. He just snatched it from me and like put it together in one snap. 
And I'm like, dude. He's like, man, I kept trying to tell you I could help you with that. And I was just looking at him like, damn, you did tell me that, didn't you? <laughs> he was like, that's what I be trying to tell you, LP. Like, you on, the, you on that shit again. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I can't help it. But I, I feel like over the past, like, decade or so, like, I still have my moments where I'm just, like, severely, like, stubborn. I got to kind of snap my, I got to snap out of it. And then I noticed there are a lot of times where, and I think it comes with being a teacher too. I think that's what really helped me. Like once I became a teacher, that's when, because when I was younger, you know, 19, 20 or so, I knew that I was stubborn and I was slowly trying to figure it out, but it wasn't working. When I became a teacher, that's when it was like, it's not about me. And I think also when I had kids, (laughs) like those two events. Because it's not about you anymore. You know, you have to do whatever you need to do to help your kids. Whether it's my for real kids, whether it's my my kids that I teach, my kids that I coach. I have to do whatever is necessary to get them the stuff that they need. And sometimes that means deferring deferring to people that know more than me or people that can do things better than me. So I'm like, there's a lot of things that my wife does way better than me. And I used to be like, you know, my younger days, I'm like, nah, I got it. But now I'm like, yeah, you got this wifey because that's your thing. Like, you, you know how to do that. I feel like I can do it, but you do that better. And I'm learning now that just because I feel like I'm smart enough to do everything, sometimes you got to be smart enough to know that people do things better than you. And I feel like that's the epitome of like being I guess smart. <laughs> That's the epitome of being smart. Understanding that as smart as you are, there are people out there smarter than you. There are people that can do things better than you. You might be the best at almost everything. You got some blind spots though. And there are people around you that can fill in those blind spots. And I think that helped me to be <laughs> not as stubborn. Like my youngest kids, like, Daddy, you stubborn sometimes. I'm like, yeah. I know. And I'm like, I'm working on it. And there are a lot of times where I'm just like, hey, can you help me out with this? I don't know how to do this. You don't know how to do this? No. (laughs) Can you help me out? I feel like that's like, it's still my worst character trait, y'all. Like, it still is. But I understand it. And even though it's my worst character trait, I feel like it's something that I'm better at now than I was 10 years ago, five years ago, one year ago. So it's really about progression, y'all. Like, you got to be able to say that I'm getting better at something. And usually it's like your worst things. You want to say you're getting better at those. If you're going like, dang, I'm still the same as I was before. You're kind of hustling backwards, man. Like, <laughs> like we got to get better. So I just kind of wanted to drop that because that that's some growth that I saw in myself and Hey, I just got to keep working. So I hope y'all doing the same thing. I hope you taking your character traits, you know, the ones that you, I won't say you don't like about yourself, but the ones you know you need to fix, you know, your blind spots. And I hope y'all out there getting that work in and knocking those out. All right. So we're going to go ahead and shut this down for this week. Um, hey, <laughs> next week, um, I guess we can do, I won't call it a Bengals preview, but it'll be along the same lines of this right here. We'll talk about, like, if you don't really want to watch Bengals and but you want to keep up, I'll let you know the big stuff you need to know about this year for the Cincinnati Bengals. And 
and um definitely doing another review. Um, I got a couple of ideas about what I want to review because I've been watching a lot of stuff. Um, but I'll narrow it down this week and then just kind of drop a trailer for y'all so y'all can know what we're gonna review for next week. But as always, um, it's cool talking to myself and kicking it with y'all. So, um, as always, life is good, y'all. Peace out. not ready for the conversation to end i'm not either make sure to catch me on twitter that's the sensi fan talking leave off the g at the end of it and we can keep the conversation going also don't be afraid to hit that subscribe button so you can catch the next episodes the episodes will drop every tuesday if there's a change in that i'll make sure to let you know appreciate the support as always life is good